It is 5 o'clock somewhere, and you've tuned into episode 18 of BRC. For those of you who'd like to watch this episode, it's available on our website, YouTube, and Spotify. This being Christmas week, I chose a very special guest to talk to in our Tales from the Still segment. Paul Tool of Ballast and Chocolate Whiskey joins me to go over his festive flavored portfolio. Then later in the show, we hear from Chef Louise Leonard about what she cooks up with one of Paul's expressions. Then lastly, I share a holiday treat that I came up with using Ballotins. Stay tuned. There's nothing better than the smell of coffee in the morning. What if you could enjoy a coffee subscription of fresh, roasted specialty coffee while making a difference in the lives of farmers that grow it? What if you also had access to a virtual coffee community of other coffee lovers and the coffee farmer and roaster? That's all part of the Farm to Cup Coffee Club subscription at Unleashed Coffee. Subscribe today. UnleashedCoffee.com Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or whatever time you're watching or listening to this episode of the Barrel Room Chronicles. I am here today with Paul Toole of Ballatin Whiskey, and I got introduced to him about this whiskey relatively recently, and I fell in love with this idea because I'm a big chocolate-holic, which is why I'm wearing my brown shirt today for those of you at home, and um, I love chocolate, I love whiskey, I love pairing them together, and when I saw that he's making chocolate-flavored whiskeys, I said, got to get this man on here. So, Paul, welcome. Hey, Carrie. Great to be here. Yes, chocolate is definitely our secret sauce, a ballot and chocolate Fantastic. whiskey. I'm so excited you've had a chance to try it and get introduced to it. Yes. So usually we start off the show by asking about your whiskey journey. So, But since this is also chocolate, I'm going to ask you how your whiskey journey and your chocolate journey collided to make yeah. this wonderful product. Yeah, great. So, uh, long, you know, longtime uh, spirits industry guy. So I worked with Brown Foreman for many years, about 25 years uh, at Brown Foreman, which is the Jack Daniels and Woodford. Uh, and when I was there, the Southern Comfort and Finlandia Vodka Company, right? Those, uh, well, Southern Comfort is, has since left the Brown Foreman portfolio. But anyway, you know, about 25 years in sales and marketing, various positions, ended up running Southern Comfort in North and South America. So if you are familiar with Southern Comfort, you know, at all kind of the first flavored whiskey. I mean, that was developed in 1874 by a guy named M.W. Heron, went on to win a, a gold medal at the St. Louis World Fair in 1904. So anyway, even at uh, what we think about and is true as a, a very sort of bourbon-y company that, that Brown Foreman is, you know, I was sort of the spirits guy uh, at, at Brown Foreman, one of them. And then went on to work on Finlandia Vodka uh, after Southern Comfort, right in sort of the height of the, you know, flavored vodka craze, which, you know, if you even remember that, Carrie, that got really far afield in everything from, you know, salmon and bacon to, you know. Yeah, batter. the salmon was a little like, wait, what are they doing now? And then it's, well, it's great in a, in a Bloody Mary. And, and while that's probably true, uh, it just, it got to be a lot, right? I mean, it got to be a lot for the category, it got to be a lot for the system, it got to be a lot for retailers and everything. So I think, you know, no pun intended, uh, flavored vodka left a little bit of a, of a bad taste in, in, I would say, sort of just the ecosystem's mouth a little bit, you know, the trade and even distributors and everything. So having said that, you know, it was it was better than good evidence that consumers are very interested in flavors in general. And um, and that is a general comment. I mean, if you just look at flavor innovation across almost any category you would pick from, you know, a 
uh, tea to energy drinks to potato chips to M&Ms, for goodness sakes. I mean, yep. there's all kinds of innovation, uh, again, for better or worse. So having said that, the, uh, you know, at Brown Foreman, you know, we spent a period in the early 2000s, I guess, where, you know, vodka was kind of king and we were really struggling with like the founding brand, Old Forster, right? Is as hot and phenomenal of a bourbon brand as Old Forster is today. That wasn't the case, you know, in the early 2000s until sort of Mad Men or whatever the sort of right. social impetus was for bourbons and whiskeys to really, you know, turn back around and, and begin to, you know, assert themselves as a, as a consumer, you know, this powerful proposition. So at, you know, sometime in the late, uh, you know, 2009, 10, 11, I, I got, you know, in my head that there was an opportunity to do, you know, flavors credibly in this bourbon and whiskey space. Um, you know, started thinking about that. Eventually, you know, got my courage up to leave, you know, corporate life, which is a big step, um, but, but glad we did. Founded Ballotin with my wife, Lisa, who uh, is, you know, an integral part of this every day. She manages the back office and I do sort of the front office, you know. Um, but anyway, started researching that notion of really credible, you know, whiskey flavors that spring naturally from that beautiful, you know, bourbon taste spectrum. You've seen the, you know, the flavor wheels for bourbon, which are a beautiful way to articulate all the nuance and, and complexity of that bourbon spectrum. And, and, and in that, uh, you know, chocolate is, is a kind of a prominent, uh, holds a prominent space in that wheel and not just chocolate, but the, the ancillary sort of flavors of caramels and vanillas and nuts and, and then and toffee, right? And, and then even mint, you know, is, is a naturally occurring sort of one of the great flavors uh, that you get out of all that beautiful mix of, you know, aging that, that whiskey in those char barrels and all that. So anyway, um, you know, as far as the chocolate part, I mean, I don't, I don't have, I don't have a, uh, any kind of a unique or special chocolate history, but in, in my, in my time at Brown Foreman, I did a lot of, a lot of work, you know, on-premise, on-premise bars and restaurants and things. And, uh, just the, both, uh, uh, you know, from across the bar and, and from the kitchen, the culinary and cocktail aspects, um, just the notion of these flavors, uh, you know, being around that for many years, you know, these flavors that are beautiful on their own, but somehow take on a, a differently articulated, you know, character when you put them together. Um, and, uh, you know, chocolate and whiskey are just, just one of those things. I mean, one of my favorite stories about one of our products, specifically the bourbon bowl, which is not as well known, you know, sort of as you get geographically concentrically away from Kentucky, you know, people might not know that a bourbon ball is that bourbon and buttercream sort of infused center dipped in chocolate, you know, it's a confection that was developed in Kentucky in the beautiful, in the early 1930s. And, and, and it was, it was developed by chocolatiers, Ruth, Ruth Boo, who's with Rebecca Ruth Candies. And the story is, and all these, you know, I, I, we think it's true, but, uh, you know, she was at a Kentucky state dinner, a, a sesquicentennial dinner, which was the 150th celebration of the state of Kentucky around 1932 or three, I think. And um, the governor of the time was in that. Now, you can't make this up. His name was Rudy LaFoon, which is a <laughs> old Kentucky name, Rudy LaFoon. And uh, and they were having dessert and they were serving, of course, Kentucky bourbon. And they had some dark chocolate. And he said, there's nothing better than a sip of Kentucky bourbon and a bite of fine chocolates. And 
lo and behold, Ruth Boo, the chocolatier, happened to be sitting at the table and said, now that there is something. So she went to work and developed a bourbon ball a couple of years later. So, I mean, again, steeped in this, this uh, heritage and nature of, you know, these great flavors that come together and they produce something that's, you know, ethereal and ephemeral and even better than the two component parts, you know, greater, greater than the whole. So um, that was kind of the thought, you know, began digging into it from a product development standpoint and just did what, what you do when you're developing a product. You do the hard work, you do a bunch of prototypes, you figure out, you know, what's the, what's the best payoff for the consumer, what, you know, exceeds the expectations that you're creating in consumers' minds. And, and so um, originally, Carrie, we started with four flavors, which was the original okay. chocolate, the caramel turtle, the bourbon ball, and the chocolate mint. And the strategic imperative for Ballotin, and I promise you get to ask another question here in a minute, not Philip, <laughs> just, you know, it's heart and soul here with, with Ballotin. Mm-hmm. But the, the, there were sort of three strategic imperatives. Number one, with the, I wanted the flavors, they would necessarily be an honest reflection of uh, flavors that were naturally occurring in that, in that bourbon and whiskey spectrum. So we talked about that. So these would be flavors that would be lifted, you know, naturally from those beautifully occurring uh, essences in the whiskey spectrum. You know, number two, uh, you know, they would be familiar enough to consumers where they would have an indication of what they were getting before they made a $25 bet on a bottle of ballot and not knowing what it would taste like, right? So caramel turtle, I mean, you sort of put a notion in people's heads. They may have had a New Orleans praline or literally a caramel turtle or whatever. Uh, And so they guess, okay, I think I know what I expect with this flavor. And then the third imperative was that we had to pay that off with the juice in the bottle, right? So the worst thing right. to do is set up an expectation and then disappoint consumers. And they say, well, that doesn't, that's not what I was expecting, right? That's the, right, that's exactly. the first thing that you could hear from somebody. That's not what I was expecting. So um, again, you know, naturally, you know, they, they, they spring naturally from the spectrum, people fairly familiar with what they were, and then they delivered on the promise. So that's kind of the way we went at, you know, commercializing what I thought was a really good idea, as it turns out, it was a great idea because there's all kinds of people doing it right now. I'm selling a lot of cases doing it. So yeah, uh, that's the derivation. I'll tell you now it, it, that the name Ballotin. Well, wait a minute. Let me ask some questions here. Okay. All right. You tell me about the name. I'm going to get, get to that. But while we'll we're talking about the first original four, I'm yeah. holding up here the original chocolate. You are. And then I also was given the chocolate toffee. Newest. Are are the original four all still out on the market? They are. They are. Okay. I'm going to have to try the the other three. And then this one is the newest one. And then is there any other ones out there besides? So it's uh, four, five, five, five. So so there's uh, six whiskeys now. And so you, uh, the original, the the, the four, the four horse people and, uh, and the toffee, but the peanut butter, the chocolate peanut butter, launched about two years ago, um, okay. you know, and again, it does meet the criteria, but that was a little bit of a response to just, you know, peanut butter, oddly, is having a moment, right, in the category. Right. So, you know, I mean, give the people what they want. So that that was, uh, and again, you know, just that chocolate peanut butter is such an iconic pairing that I think we can own uniquely. I mean, no, you know, we are the only, you know, chocolate whiskey and we have expressions within that, but the DNA of chocolate is, no pun intended, baked into the brand. And so we feel like we have, you know, unique both opportunity and and uh, a little bit of, um, you know, provenance there in, in all of those chocolate spaces. So anyway, the peanut butter chocolate, and then we launched 
some creams carry over the last, you know, two or three, three or four years, I guess now. So there's a chocolate cherry cream, a chocolate mm. mocha cream, and mm. again, homage to the mighty consumer, chocolate peanut butter cream. So they, they are uh, all, you know, natural uh, Wisconsin dairy cream, you know, a little bit of our whiskey, they're 34 proof, right? So they're kind of in that cordial space uh, and are just silky and yummy, yummy. Awesome. So yeah. when did you guys, when did you start the company with your wife and how long before you decided let's do this? Did it take you from, from conception to, or from, you know, the conception so, to actually fulfilling? Yeah. So, uh, so let's do this was probably early 2014. Okay. Um, and that involved, uh, you know, leaving the corporate world and then paying some bills by doing some consulting. I mean, you can't swing a, you know, yeah. dead cat in Kentucky without hitting a whiskey bourbon consultant for yeah. say. So hung the shingle out for a little bit while we did product development and then actually launched in like October or November of 2015. So, so we're, we're, I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. We're in Austin, Texas now. Uh, moved the business here a couple of years ago, but we're from Louisville. So the epicenter of bourbon geekdom, which there'll be lots to talk about, Carrie, with that as well. Right. But I mean, I say that affectionately. I mean, I, I'm a bit of a bourbon geek. So, uh, but, you know, right in the hotbed of, why are y'all doing this to whiskey? So kind of thing. Um, in 2015. And then, you know, you sort of kind of roll states out a little bit at a time. So I think we had Kentucky and South Carolina going in, in 2015, then added five or six or seven states in 16. And, and, you know, we're up to 42 states now or something like that. So we're oh, kind great. of basically, you know, U.S. wide at this point. Well, I think it's time we, we start, start on the chocolate. Are you going to join me with the chocolate bourbon? You know, I uh, I uh, I don't have one at hand, but I believe me, Carrie, I can you talk don't. you through it. I can what go. What about the toffee? Do you have the toffee at hand? Uh, no, <laughs> isn't that awful? I'm sorry. Oh, you're supposed to be tasting with me. Hey, Come I, on now. Heck, heck, I got work. I got That's work to do. That's in trouble. I didn't tell you we're tasting on this thing. I know. Right. I'm sorry. I have work to do too, but we're just gonna take a little sip. Let's try. I mean, it's after it's after twelve. We're okay. It is. It is. It's ap It's happy hour. It's five o'clock somewhere. Yeah. It I, is so five o'clock somewhere. Can, can I can I give you my spiel and then you tell me what you you tell me what you think? Is that okay? Yes. Well, well, let me tell you what I'm getting on the nose. Okay. Perfect. Chocolate. Shocker. I'm getting chocolate on the nose. I mean, look, I'm I'm truth in advertising, Carrie. I'm straightforward. And I, I love the color of the original chocolate. It's a very chocolatey. It looks like. I mean, honestly, it looks like if you took like a, a mid-color scotch or bourbon and then just dup, uh, dropped a little bit of Hershey syrup in it. Yeah. You got a nice dark color. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's like a, an amber. The legs on it are very nice. This is so exciting when I see somebody taste about. <laughs> that is like dessert in a glass right there. Yeah. it's You can definitely taste the chocolate, but you also can taste the whiskey. And it's, it's like you're eating chocolate with your, and this, I can see this in so many different cocktails and also as like an after dinner aperitif. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, mm -hmm. you know, we, we, we think we, we say it's a great intersection between whiskey and flavor, right? So we feel like we've, and that was one of the things we really tried to do is hit that balance 
you know, we say warm, not hot because, you know, it's 60 proof. So it gives you the old Kentucky hug at the end. You know, you can really feel that warmth, you know, down, down your, down into your chest and all that, which is very satisfying, not a challenge, right? You're not, it's not a challenge at all to, to take a little Balotin and, and enjoy it. Um, but, you know, good whiskey bones, right? So maintains its whiskey delivery, uh, despite that good flavor. So you, that was a great, I'm backing off. You did great on the original chocolate. Tell us what, tell us what's going on with the toffee. Okay. I've so the, the toffee, oh, this is the one I start last night when I opened these, I had this one first cause my, my, my housemate was here and I said, I got two new ones. You want to try? And he goes, he goes, oh, what are they? And I said, I got an original chocolate and a toffee. He goes, toffee. Oh, we got to try the toffee. So I tried it first. And right off the nose, it's kind of got a, a burnt marshmallow, um, nutty toffee scent on the nose. It's a little lighter in color. It's a little more gold than amber. But the legs are still wonderful. Oh, that as soon as I tasted it last night, I said, where is the vanilla ice cream with pralines on it? Yeah. I just yeah. want to douse that on top, mix it in, put it in the whipped cream. This is a, this again, dessert in a glass. It's delicious. And what I like about both of these is it's not, it's not like a whiskey that's trying to be something other than what it's supposed to be, which is a beautiful flavor of, of candy and whiskey together. And I like that it, it tastes like what it's actually supposed to taste like, which with a lot of flavored uh, beverages, vodka, <clears throat> um, they don't always taste like what they're supposed to taste like. And, and I think these two are absolutely delicious. And I think you hit the nail right on the nose with the flavor profiles. Thank you, Carrie. I appreciate that because, you know, you have, uh, and, and so many consumers in this space have gotten so smart and so experienced and educated about bourbons and whiskeys. Um, and so I always appreciate when somebody who I know is coming from a point, information, experience, appreciation of the category that you can, you know, you can appreciate Ballotin for what it is. It's not going to replace your Ardbeg. It's not going to replace your Woodford. That's not the intent. But you know, people drink such a wide variety of, of spirits, you know, beer, wine and, and spirits, depending on what you're doing and who you're with and, and everything. And, and you know, we've, we've studied, you know, my former life, you know, drinking portfolios and even loyal brand consumers, you know, 15 or 18 of their last 100 alcohol drinks were that brand because it's so situational. And, you know, if you're right. at a Mexican restaurant, you're probably going to have a margarita. If you're at the right. ballpark, you're going to have a beer with your hot dog, right? So, I mean, there's room in most people's portfolio for for a, a brand like Ballot. And, and what, I, what I like what you said, which, you know, gets to the sort of lifestyle tru truism or imperative that we're in. I just don't think people... I think we all love them, but we just don't eat desserts the way we use, you know, I mean, that's the dessert is not a regular part of right. the experience, you know, whether people are in a hurry or, or just trying to, you know, manage their calories a little bit, but, you know, uh, cocktail before dinner, glass of wine with dinner after dinner. And I had the same experience with Lisa. I just want something to cap it off a little bit. Yeah. I don't want a big piece of cheesecake. I mean, not necessarily. Just a little. Just a little you little, might. Another piece of cheesecake, but. You might like a little bit of balancing, you know. Yes. You know what I was thinking when I was drinking the second one? Last night, we were kind of going over all the different cocktails we could make with these. Uh, uh, originally, obviously, the, when we tasted the, the original chocolate, I said, easily a chocolate martini. And then um, my housemate said uh, the black uh, Manhattan, which yeah. is absolutely yes. black Manhattan. Wow. And then I was just thinking now with the toffee, 
you could totally put this in a, in a mudslide yeah. with, you know, with the kind of ice cream type. Yeah. Um, and I, there's just so many possibilities. And what I think too, I like about this is I feel like this will get the 20 somethings involved. Cause I know when I was in my early twenties, I was all about the Midori sours and the mudslides and the fruity mm-hmm. drinks and the daiquiris. Um, mm-hmm. And then my later twenties, I was like, I need less sugar. I need something more, awesome. less sweet, yeah. more, yes. you know, and this yeah. does both. Like it starts you off with the sweet, but it also has the savory. Yeah. And I, it's, I think it's great. It's great. Good. Now Thank tell me so much for that. Karen. What does the word Balaton come from? What does it mean? And why did you choose it? Okay. So uh, more history. I do love my history, but uh, in the early 19, 1915 or so, the preeminent chocolatiers, of the, of the time were the Belgian chocolatiers. And around that time, they developed a technique where they began to infuse their chocolates with cream. So it made the, you know, the chocolates quite a bit more delicate. They needed a way to present and sell those, you know, find more delicate chocolates. So wait, sorry, I just thought of two more. Okay. A black Russian and a white Russian. Okay. Yes. Right, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Oh, the flavors just keep coming out in my mouth and I just keep thinking of all these things. I know. Although uh, we're, we're, we're shying away from, we're shying away from Russian at the, right, well, at the, yeah. at the exact moment, but we'll, well, sure. we'll just call it something else. We'll yeah, call it we the, the white, the white Bellaton and the dark Bellaton. Perfect. I like there you it. Go. I like it. So, and keep, you know, keep the ideas coming. So they needed a way to sell those, you know, protect and sell those fine chocolates. The wife of one of the chocolatiers, preeminent chocolatiers of the day, developed that compartmentalized box that even still today, chocolates come in. So if you've ever given or received a box of chocolates, that box is actually called a ballotin. And it's based on the French word ballot, which means small package. So um, that's the way we've sort of, you know, it's, I, we feel like it's one of those, you know, beautiful words. I mean, there's some words in the English language that just, you know, are nice. And even if you're not sure what they mean, they have a nice ring to them. Uh, and it does, as I said, it sort of bakes chocolate into the DNA of the brand. So that's, that's where the, that's where the name is from. That's awesome. So where do you guys source your chocolate? And do you do you do all your chocolate tasting the same as you would do your whiskey tasting out of the barrels and make sure the chocolate's ready? Yeah, no, it's not. It, that's not exactly the problem. I mean, all of these, uh, the flavorings are uh, kind of assembled at a flavor house. Again, not a very sexy term, but good friend of mine who's also a former Brown Forma guy named Dave Defoe owns a, a company in Louisville called Flavor Man, right? And the whole flavor industry is a huge, I mean, it's a, kind of very concentrated industry, um, but there's kind of a center of excellence in that area, probably because we do so many spirits out of, you know, Kentucky. But so specific recipe compounds are assembled at Flavor Man. So it's cocoa, you know, chocolate solids, you know, kind of cocoa powder, mint oils, vanilla oils, and things like that, that you just have to kind of emulsify the heck out of. Chocolate especially doesn't want to melt without fat. So you've got to, you know, there's a whole lot of emulsification that goes on before it's added to the whiskey. And then it also, you know, doesn't want to play nice with the whiskey necessarily. You got to do a lot of blending on that, um, but it's not aged after that. So the, you know, the, the flavor compounds are added uh, and then into the bottle it goes. That is awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but chocolate tasting, Carrie, is a great idea. I need to put that. I need to put that on the on the to do list. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the, the, the flavors are 
the flavors come together in the in the process as opposed to being like a a pre-finished caramel turtle, right? Kind of that then right. that then goes in. Yeah. And so how long when you're when you're coming up with these recipes, how long does it take you guys to get the flavored parts to just what you think is going to match up with the bourbon and the bourbon, do you guys distill yourself or do you source that? We do source. And I mean, there, there was a, especially at the beginning, the strategic reason for that. And it was, it was we, we did that with intent because we wanted this to be a $24.99, you know, bottle of whiskey rather than a $49.99 bottle of whiskey, whatever. So there's just people that, uh, you know, again, from my, my connections in the business and networking, uh, we knew we could find, you know, better juice than I could distill. I didn't want to be a distiller. I didn't want to invest $5 million in the distillery. I just didn't want to, right. that wasn't part of the business model. So, and I don't, and you know, I, I say this not to be cavalier or anything, but I, but I, I don't know that a boutique, well, certainly you can't, I mean, you can't flavor bourbon, although the TTB's getting a little uh, looser on standards of identity. I think I'm seeing some flavored bourbons out there now, which didn't used to be the case. And um, I think weakens the standard of identity a little bit for bourbon. So, you know, we're, we're whiskey, we're aged three years in used barrels. Uh, that's that's the way our whiskey, it's a high, high corn mash because that gives, the, the corn throws off a little bit of a sweeter whiskey, which uh, complements the flavor really well back and forth. You know, you can imagine all the spiky, you know, oak and char notes that you get with bourbon and how that would be, they integrate less, uh, less seamlessly than our whiskey, which has more of a sort of a Canadian or an Irish whiskey profile by virtue of the, of the used barrels. But, but right. anyway, I mean, to, to be totally honest, you shouldn't, you shouldn't flavor a, you know, $2,500 barrel of bourbon. That doesn't make sense <laughs> to me. <laughs> and it wouldn't make sense to consumers to throw it up on the shelf at $60. So right, uh, right. using very, very quality, you know, whiskey, but appropriate both in terms of its of its flavor, uh, character, and composition, you know, and in terms of the value that it delivers, you know, for for consumers in a bottle amount. Do you have a specific mash bill that you ask them to make for you, or do you just pick one that they've already had? We we is- we started with the first, and now uh, just because we're using so much whiskey, we're laying down our we're, we're there. I mean, as I, I guess there's a technicality between sourcing and contract distilling. Yeah. I guess yeah. at this point. So it started sourcing and now it's contracting. Yeah. 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 Great. Which, which again, I mean, I, you know, as long as, and, there, and you know, when I've been through the, the scary, the scary times of, you know, had that or whatever, I mean, I'm, I'm proud of MGP as a partner. They, they make fantastic, you know, spirit they in do. their own brands and they make their, their own brands are fantastic. Uh, and as long as you're honest with people about what you're doing, I think you're fine. I'm not a distiller. Yeah, no, transparency is what people want, you know? know. And if that's not good enough for them, then they can go somewhere else. I don't know. But um, I, I always feel like as long as you're not saying, oh, yeah, we made this from scratch. Yes. Then, I, you know, I just want to, I mean, if you tell me you got it from MGP, I'm like, that makes sense because MGP is delicious and this is delicious. So I can totally see that it's a, it's good quality stuff. It's just part of the value proposition, right? I mean, just, it just, to, to me, it made business sense uh, for where this would end up in a retail price point on the shelf for consumers present a good value, you know, value you know, price is not, what is it? it? It's not what you pay. It's what you get, right? That's the, yep, the value yep. proposition. So 
uh, I think we did a nice job with the value proposition. So what are your, do you, do you have another list of, of flavors that you're coming up with? And when you, when you're working on the flavors, do you go out to, uh, to the flavor guy and work with him and, and, and work on blending the flavors until it's just what you want? We, 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 we come up with our flavors ourselves. Although Dave, like I said, I can't say enough good things about Dave and how much of a resource is. And he's one of these guys that, I mean, I'll get these numbers a thousand percent wrong, Carrie, but you know, most people can taste, you know, whatever, uh, you know, 150 parts per million or whatever it is. Dave's one of those guys that literally, you know, he takes two parts per million, whatever the number is. He's like a super identifier in the taste department. So that uh, he really is one of our secret weapons. Uh, although they, they do work in, in all, all kinds of spaces in the beverage business. But having said that, I mean, the great thing about, you know, I mean, we could have a whole nother discussion about what, what it means to go from, you know, corporate life and infrastructure and how effing smart you feel working at a big company to what it's like going out on your own and realizing I knew almost nothing, but I could walk next door to somebody who knew a lot about finance and knew a lot about consumer insights and knew a lot about marketing and everything. So, I mean, that recognition and realization is extraordinarily painful. Uh, and we've, you know, so working, still working our way through that. Having said that, what is nice is, you know, you don't have to get every executive's fingerprints and footprints and, and, uh, and, you know, egos all over every decision, right? I mean, you know, you, you stop and start, you know, 28 different times where with us, I turn to Lisa and say, Hey, what do you think about this? And she says, you know, I think we need a little more, uh, I think we need to be a little lighter or a little darker. And then we go, okay, we're off we go. And that's the, and we can nice. do it. I mean, you know, there's a little more to it than that, obviously, but do you guys bottle in, uh, in Kentucky or do you bottle in, in Texas? We bottle in Texas. So okay. we, we have a partner here. That's a very cool little craft distillery called, I say little, they're, they're doing great. They're called still Austin and they are. Oh yeah. Nice, we've nice had, uh, we've had Sean, Chris, Chris Seals, Chris, Chris Seals. Yes. We've had you Chris, Chris on. on the show before. Oh, he's yeah. great. oh my God. Yeah. He's the best. He's the best. And they, they have a great creative little brand and they're doing amazing work in their distillery, do, you know, doing their own distilling and everything. But, but yes, they bottle, they bottle for us there. And uh, we actually bottle the creams in Wisconsin. In, uh, oh, wow. Okay. Secret location. Get that fresh cow milk. The yeah, cow, the yeah. fresh I mean, cow dairy. You, you, you got dairy, you got dairy specialists all over the place up there. So uh, it is kind of a specialty. So yeah, the, the creams come out of Wisconsin. Very I'm so cool. excited you talked to Chris and still Austin. Yeah. So yeah, we good. had him on uh, season one of Spirits of Whiskey. Good for you. You won't be able to see him on that episode, but you can definitely go back and take a listen to it. Uh, It is on the BarrelRoomChronicles.com in season one section for uh, Spirits of Whiskey. So, Paul, tell us where uh, where we can find you on your socials, your website, what stores are the best places to find it if you are anywhere in the States. Yep. Yep. So um, um, all of our social media is Ballotin Whiskey, you know, either at Ballotin Whiskey, Facebook and and Instagram and Pinterest and all that or BallotinWhiskey.com is where uh, homepage is, you know, we've got a, a pretty good, you know, buy here sort of a section where you, if you put in your zip code and click on that, it'll, you know, uh, show you some stores, okay. um, lots of recipes and everything. I mean, we're in, you know, the, I mean, the big one, you know, we're in, we're in most total wines around the country. And then, you know, your sort of local independent liquor store, but also those, you know, like in Bev, you know, BevMo for you out in California, you know, we're in, we're in BevMo and ABC Liquor in Florida and Specs in Texas and, and whatever your equivalent of those, you know, kind of regional liquor chains were in those. We're in a lot of the smaller grocery chains. We haven't quite broken into like Kroger, you know, yet at this point. Um, 
that's just a big, you know, commitment and a big footprint and they need, you know, full on geographic right. coverage and everything. But, but uh, you know, almost any of your local liquor stores or liquor chains uh, or even your local Deerbergs in St. Louis, or I'm trying to think of some California chains, but, you know, the sort of more local or regional grocery right. chains, you know, in Publix in Florida, like for instance. How about Mission Wine and Spirits? You in there? Yes, we are. Good, we are. Great. Cool. I remember that pop. Well, Paul, it has been fantastic learning about your journey to this beautiful chocolate whiskey and the toffee whiskey. And uh, I, I can't wait to see what Chef Louise has to say about both of these. And I think she's going to have a hard time picking one to make. She might have to make something out of both because. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, there's so many possibilities with this. I just, yeah. I'm so excited to see what she comes up with. That's great. Well, I really appreciate it. I'm, thanks. It's been great to talk to you. And, and again, I appreciate your enthusiasm about Ballotin because you know your stuff. Thank you. Um, yeah. I, I love it when people love what I love. That's great. Yeah, right. That's good. <laughs> I love finding like-minded people and it's, it's, it's just so fun. Yeah. I mean, I just, you know, we're whiskey peddlers. I mean, how hard is it? Let's get out there and, exactly. have, and have a cocktail with somebody and spread the joy. That's it. All right, Paul. Thank you so much. And we will uh, reach out to you again soon. All right, Carrie. Love it. Thanks very much. Good luck to you. World of Wheezy is up next. Stay with us. Like what you've seen on BRC? Want to see more? Experience more? And maybe even taste more? Then head over to our Kofi site and become a member of the Barrel Room Parlor. By choosing the Copper Level membership, you'll have exclusive access to videos related to topics discussed on the podcast and blog posts for members only. As an Amber Member Level, you'll enjoy everything from our Copper Level as well as various spin-off series including The Cutting Room Floor and Kindred Spirits. In addition, the Amber Membership includes exclusive discounts to live in-person events. To join, visit www.barrelroomchronicles.com and click on Become a Member in the navigation bar. Or go straight to our Kofi site at ko-fi.com slash brc and click on the membership link. Once you've joined, you'll have access to everything your chosen level has to offer. You'll even be able to participate with the show by commenting on videos and other posts. Don't wait. Sign up today for exclusive content and event discounts in the Barrel Room Parlor. Welcome to this week's edition of World of Wheezy. Normally, we get Chef Louise Leonard here in person, but since the holidays are upon us, her cooking skills are in very high demand. However, that didn't stop her from sending over her notes about the dessert she made using Bellaton's chocolate toffee whiskey. First, Chef Louise created her own homemade chocolate sauce using the whiskey, then used some of the same whiskey to soak cherries. The end result was a delicious, boozy chocolate toffee sundae. These whiskeys were so tasty, I had to experiment with them myself. Since Louise used the toffee expression, I went with the original to make a festive holiday hot cocoa. First, I took an Irish coffee glass and swirled chocolate syrup around the inside. Then I added a half ounce of Ballatin's original chocolate whiskey, followed by one cup of steamed milk, sprayed on some whipped cream, and lastly, added a cinnamon stick for the garnish. So if you're looking for a great dessert and a hot drink this holiday, pick up some of Ballatin's whiskey. We'll have a link to where you can buy it in our show notes. That does it for today's show. To read notes on this episode or learn more about our guests, please visit BarrelRoomChronicles.com. Want to interact with the show or have questions for our guests? Then ask them on our socials or send us an email through our website. Or better yet, leave us a voicemail on our anchor page and your recording might be played in our new Speakeasy segment. 
If you like what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. If you really liked it and you want to show your support, buy us a whiskey through our Kofi site at ko-fi.com slash BRC or become an exclusive member of the Barrel Room Parlor, where you'll get exclusive content not seen anywhere else. If you work in the whiskey or spirits industry or just have a deep passion for whiskey and want to share your spirits journey, register to be a guest through our website. Last but not least, please enjoy your spirits responsibly. Thanks for joining me. Until next time, Salangeva. Barrel Room Chronicles is a production of First Real Entertainment and is distributed by Anchor FM and is available on Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, Amazon, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.